Good day and welcome to Turning Your Cruising Dreams into Reality podcast. I'm Jackie Parry and it's good to have your company. Today I'm going to look back on when Noel and I were marine rescue skippers and the training we undertook as being part of volunteers in this great group. It's a story I wrote about some of the training we did with other fabulous rescue associations and when we all got together. This episode is brought to you by Pantenius Yacht Insurance. He's lost at sea and unwell. The information we have, the clipped efficient tones state, are that he is 55 years old in a four metre tinny. He has diabetes and rang his wife from a mobile at 7.15am to say he felt ill. That's four hours ago. The mobile's battery has run out. He has no radio equipment on board. He has not returned to shore. With unemotional precision and no time for niceties, the facts are disseminated to the awaiting crews. The silence buffets between the groups and the adrenaline starts pumping as a few of us peek over the wall to the building seas that await us. Many of us are scribbling down the information and start swaying from foot to foot in impatience of getting out there and doing what we do, rescue. A stiff nor'easterly is gathering strength, and Mother Nature is threatening gale force nor'westerly winds by lunchtime. The sea is carrying little swell, but the clouds and his windy mates are holding hands and pushing steep waves that are starting to cap with galloping white horses. I suddenly realise with a dull thud in my midriff that I have left my seasick tablets behind. Not often used, I still like to ensure I have them, just in case. Glancing around the 50 tough, salt-seasoned blokes that are now striding towards the wharf, I hope that as one of just four female counterparts, I'm not the one to give the fish a good feed. The assortment of crew from the Marine Police, Shoalhaven Marine Rescue, of which I am one, Royal Coastal Patrol, Coast Guard, Surf Life Saving and Aerial Patrol peel off into the four available boats. Frenzied scribbling in notebooks persist in rhythm with the purposeful strides. Sunblock hats sunnies are the final touches to the vivid orange outfits, smart blue garb and crisp nautical white, emblems, insignias and badges gloriously fighting for attention. Sergeant Warwick Davison, Master of Vanguard, the lead boat, gathers his crew. We board the $2 million police boat that is in its infancy at just six months old carrying sleek lines, a proud bow and obvious power. I cannot help but notice the admiring glances Vanguard attracts. The crew gather in the spaceship-like cockpit, which houses enough controls and doodads to keep every man and his button-pressing habits happy for a few decades. Here are the life jackets, EPIRBs, radios and life raft. Rorick wheels off a short accelerated briefing on board. We have little time for the full safety briefing. There is an ill man at sea. 
With roaring engines and handholds identified, he swiftly manoeuvres motor vessel Vanguard out of the relative safety of Port Kembla Harbour into Neptune's capricious hands. We are in company with three other rescue vessels and the radios crackle into life. Call signs confirmed, equipment checks and weather condition updates happen simultaneously as the electronic throttles are tenderly eased forward with appreciation of their power. Vanguard grabs the white frothing bone at her bow and effortlessly launches into a body flattening speed. As the neat procession of identifiable colours power out from the port, two whales cavort, splashing and twirling as if feeling the importance of the occasion, sensing the urgency. Back at base, swift, skillful chart work with incorporated data is applied. Scientific calculations of type and weight of the missing vessel and person is added into the workings and the up-to-the-minute sea conditions and weather reports. A position is plotted as the most likely to locate the man in need. Incorporating the time delay and error margin, a six-mile radius is marked out for the four rescue boats to search. A grid search is organised. The four boats line up 0.25 metres apart, speed of eight knots, keeping together as if performing an odd synchronised boat dance in the buffeting ocean. The clash of sun against the sea is blinding. The waves relentlessly pound against the aluminium hull. Salt spray is both irritating and relieving, its ice-tingling splash easing the rising heat. Boat number one, reduce your speed slightly. Boat number two, turn to port to touch. The slight adjustment of the boat's positioning is coordinated on the invisible grid. This type of alteration is usually constant, but today, as if sensing the importance of the job, the boats are aligned perfectly, despite the perpetual battering of the elements that are out of our control the masters do a formidable job in maintaining their course and configuration within the team. I glance occasionally at the radio, so quiet, when it is so important. I cannot help but wonder if it precipitates a calamity. With plenty of crew on board, we swap lookout positions regularly. The flybridge more popular with some, the sheltered cockpit preferred by others. Up at 20 feet on comfortable chairs, big enough to engulf me, I find the search area easier to scan. The wind is strengthening and backing to the northwest. The weather is steadily following the predictions. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, turn. The lead police boat instructs the other boats via radio. In unison, the four vessels that are stretched over two nautical miles turn 90 degrees. They move 0.25 miles further east and again turn 90 degrees to complete the next sweep within the grid. The coordinated boat ballet scores an accomplished 10 in my head, but that may be just another way for me to opt out of reality for a while. Another few turns are completed and the minutes tick by into an hour, then another. The wind is up to 20 knots and the waves matching that strength. 
The lack of recreational vessels in the area confirm the uncomfortable conditions that are set to worsen. The Search and Rescue Coordination Centre are gathering data and preparing to extend the search area for hours to come in case our rescuee is not spotted. The excitement caused by pumping adrenaline and the unknown has calmed. A silence of anticipation has a backing thrum of the powerful engines. As tiredness starts nibbling at our limbs, the radio jumps into life. This is boat number one. We have spotted the vessel on our starboard and are approaching now. Currently, there are no signs of any persons. Warwick instructs the rest of the boats to maintain their tracks. The Search and Rescue Coordination Centre start calculating a possible latitude and longitude position for a person hidden in Davy Jones's locker. Until the rescuee or his wife is confirmed beyond any doubt that he was the only person out there, we continue searching. Once this is confirmed, we continue searching. There may be debris to retrieve. Revealing the dull side of rescues, the stuff that has to be done and is part of the job. However, it is not so dull today. Dolphins flip alongside and the whales are still close by. The highlight is the teamwork. All the volunteer groups are accountable to the police. The incredible amount of people who give up their time to help others is somewhat humbling. The police give up their time to train the volunteers, such as me, with one day in the classroom to understand the science used to create a search area and what is, is not expected of us all. Then a day on the water, a live situation, a real boat to retrieve and a guy. Okay, our rescuee was a little waterlogged, what with his material skin and boy-like head. But he is safe. The system works. The team is professionally trained. The debrief is interspersed with popping of cold canned drinks, rubbing weary eyes and a few yawns. A heady mix of fatigue, relief and tangible excitement stirs through the tables. Dawn starts on two days, reams of new information absorbed and a real-as-you-get search has taken its toll. Each master comments on the process and achievement and the crews have their say too. The best part, aside from the hot chook during the debriefing, was the positive quotes from the police instructors. First class teamwork and the people of Illawarra should be very confident out on the water and outstanding. The highlight for me? Well, of course, a successful rescue, whether practice or reality, is always a buzz. But to feel Vanguard power herself with a mighty force interlaced with fine grace through two metre waves turn back my clock to teenage years. This boat is a triumph in every respect. I had a good few whoops of delight, not only for the safe return of the mannequin, but the thrill and opportunity of riding this mighty vessel that is here and well equipped with fine electronics and extraordinary crew to save lives and protect Australian waters. I do hope you enjoyed the insight to a time when we were marine rescue skippers. It was a time I learned a lot, I had a lot of training and once I became a skipper I really was aware of the responsibility I had. 
but that training saw me through to rescuing a lot of people and getting people safely through and across bars when situations were tricky. Another aspect to consider, this guy, although it was a rescue practice, it was all too much like reality. And a simple VHF radio for a few hundred dollars could save your life. So I would be recommending always that you take a good radio with you. That's all I have time for today. Thanks for joining me. Do go along to sistershiptraining.com. The article is there with a few pictures, uh, as well as lots of other podcasts, videos and articles to read through if you wish. Apart from that, enjoy your time on the water and I wish you safe sailing.